Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. Banks of the Raritan Podcast, here with the Fans First Sports Network. Greg Petuto back once again with Matt Forno. Big Ten play has officially started. Rutgers got a little taste of the gauntlet on Saturday, and we're going to dive into the action and recap the Rutgers' 24-13 loss to Wisconsin. But before we do, Matt, I'm not I'm not sure what to say, so we'll start with the weekend. How was your weekend? Uh, the weekend was fun, I would say. I mean, Saturday at noon wasn't fun. The rest of the weekend was good. I saw John Mayer in Philly. My seats randomly got upgraded to, like, the 100 levels, which was great. So it was a great show. And Sunday was also great. The, the Jets won for me, so it was great. I hit a I hit another crazy parlay, $25 to win me 1000 So I'm, I'm excited. Oh, on what? Can't what was down that? Down very long. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, certainly could have been feeling better around – Three o'clock on Saturday, but we persevere. We need the details of that parlay. What was that about? Yeah, so uh, earlier in the year, I hit a crazy three first time, first touchdown score parlay. Three three players to score first during week one. It hit. That was five dollars to win three grand, which was just silly. Shouldn't have made that bet. Happy I did. And then this one was Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown score. Kyle Uzjek anytime touchdown score. Nice. Christian McCaffrey fifty plus rushing yards. The team total over for the uh, Niners and then the Niners money line. So it was it was twenty five to win like nine hundred and fifty five or whatever it was. But yeah, very fun, very fun Sunday night. Uh, and yeah, hopefully I'll I'll be in uh, Virginia this upcoming weekend for yet another wedding. Uh, so maybe. And we'll see what I'll finally be able to bet on Rutgers. We'll see what happens. But in any case, uh, I'm glad I didn't bet on them this past weekend, even though they covered. But I would have been on the money line if I, if I, if I was able to go. <laughs> they did cover. Anybody out there, Rutgers snuck in the back door for all you gamblers out there who had the balls to take Rutgers getting, I believe it was 13 and a half it ended. But regardless, 24 to 13, gamblers are happy. Rutgers fans should not be because this was – not a game that was as close as the score indicated. And I want to start off by saying I'm not an analytics guy personally. I understand some people are. They look at the rankings. They look at the grades. They look at all that fun stuff that makes them feel better about their teams. At the end of the day, you have to watch the games and you have to see the product on the field. And what I saw from the offense, because clearly this defense is good enough to compete with much of the conference. I'm not going to say 
you know, Michigan, Ohio State, any of that yet. But they're good enough to compete with 90% of this conference. The offense is not at that level yet, and it was clear from the start, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the quarterback play, anything of that nature, this offense just is not at that level yet, and which is why it's difficult to go into Madison and beat a team like Wisconsin, and we saw that on Saturday. Yep. Uh, I certainly needed this game as a reality check. Uh, I know that I've been very, very optimistic for Rutgers, but uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier I'm a Jets fan, and no matter how good your defense is, your offense is going to really ultimately what helps you win and lose games because the first, the, the entire first half was offensively non-existent. Defensively, eventually you are going to break when you're on the field the entire game. That changed a little bit in the second half. There was a little bit more offense, I felt like. I expected that to change, uh, but you need – like one thing Rutgers didn't do pre- in previous years was play for 60 minutes. Rutgers certainly plays for the full 60 minutes, but they're showing up a little too late in these bigger games where they're not doing enough. In Michigan, I guess it was the other way. Oh, Mich- they, they, they competed against Michigan. I mean, that's, that's in my opinion, the number one team in the country. But against Wisconsin, like, it, it, this game this game really stinks because it came down to one play, in my opinion, and I'm, we'll, we'll get into it, but obviously that pick six by Gavin Wimsatt, like, to me, that, that happened in – I, I don't think Rutgers has the horses yet, and Greg Schiano would probably agree, to come back on a deficit like that on the road when your offense isn't doing well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of thoughts I have on the offense. Defensively, I still think that they're a very, very good unit, and the, the upcoming games that they're playing, it's this, this we could probably do what Rutgers should probably be able to do what they've done well to have success, but the defense... You know, outside of the Ohio State and Penn State game, I'm expecting them to make some some big plays. But you can't be on the field. And the time of possession wasn't far off. It was about five-minute split. But in any case, that first half, the offense didn't string together any drives except for a meaningless drive at the end of the first half. So need to figure it out. And I, I think that's how we're going to live and die by this Kirk Sriracha offense. Yeah, there were 12 possessions. They punted eight times with, I think, like five or six of them coming in, the first, in that first half. Obviously, the pick six was another one. They turned it over on downs, and then the two touchdowns that they were able to do, really the one touchdown drive, and then, you know, obviously Wisconsin turns it over at the end. They were able to sneak in the back door, again, for all the gamblers there. But this game never felt close. It never felt like Rutgers had a chance to win this game, and that's kind of where the expectations come in. I'm all for Rutgers fans being optimistic. This program does seem like it's going in the right direction, but we can't put the cart before the horse. This team... They don't have those guys on the outside. We've seen that. As good as I think Jaquay Jacks could be, which I do. You know, Christian Dremel's a workhorse, but they don't have the guys on the outside. The running game was non-existent on Saturday. Obviously, you fall behind. You can't really run the ball like you want to, but still, less than three yards of carry. I think they had 64 yards on the ground. It's not a team that's ready to take that next step completely, but it's a team that's good enough to beat a, in Indiana, good enough to beat a Michigan State, and good enough to get to a bowl game, which at the end of the day, that's the that's the goal for this season. That's what fans should be happy about. But when you look at a team like Wisconsin going into Madison, they're just not ready to take that step yet in the tier of competition. And I, and I look at it in many ways, which we'll dive into, obviously, but I think in a lot of ways, whether it's the coaching staff, the quarterback play, uh, the run game, the offensive line, all of that stuff is just, I don't think, ready to take that next step into the second tier. Yeah, definitely. This was a game we just. It, I'm glad it happened now. 
got this one out of the way. This was one yeah, game on the schedule before the season started. I think if we could probably just if we can ignore how Wisconsin. I mean, I, I really don't think Wisconsin has performed poorly. Yes, they lost to Washington State. Washington State's a good football team, and they played that on the road. And it's not like they got blown out. That's just a good fo- two good football teams. I don't think Wisconsin. Like, I was certainly lower on Wisconsin. Not so much coming into this game, but them coming off of a bye didn't help. But if you if you pointed to a game on the schedule where I'm like, I, I do not want Rutgers to play this game. Obviously, they play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. But this is a team that just previous years Rutgers has just matched up so poorly against. I think the outcome was better than previous games, obviously. But this was a game that I shouldn't have had this optimism coming into it because I think they're a well-coached team with Luke Fickle. They have good players, and it's a rebuild for them in some forms. They've lost some players. They're getting, they are getting don't have like the typical guys up front that they normally do. Uh, but this wasn't a good defense, really. Like Statistically, they're just the stats don't support them as a top Big Ten defense, which is not the case in previous seasons. And Rutgers didn't capitalize on it at all. Uh, and it was disappointing to see. Uh, I posted a video uh, just to kind of get more big picture. I posted a video on YouTube, just or a video on YouTube, just kind of recapping the midseason point of the season and this loss. And I and I said like they accomplished phase one, starting the year three and zero, really four and one, but three and zero was the was the goal they needed to do. More importantly, to get to a bowl game, and now they're on to phase two. Really, the season kind of starts. I, I, you know, I guess this is hyperbole, but the season starts now. Like the the two games, the season's ahead of you. What you control your destiny right now against the two teams upcoming. I think we have the tougher one at home against Michigan State, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a tough game. But of the two, I think they're a better team than Indiana marginally. Then you're on the road at Indiana. Depending on how Indiana plays this upcoming week. Who knows if that's even going to be a home field advantage? I'm sure it's already not going to be. I already know I have a couple of friends going. I may try to go to that game. But this season, to get to a bowl game, I think at that point you're playing with house money midway through the season. So maybe you pick off another team. Maybe it's Iowa. Maybe it's Maryland. Who knows? But I think that gaining this momentum, winning two Big Ten games in a row could be huge for Rutgers. But this was a game that helped us kind of taper expectations, I think, just because offensively, I think defensively they're fine. They're 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 gonna they're gonna make up miss some big plays, but offensively they are fine. Or defensively they are fine right now. Uh, there, I do have a little couple concerns there, but ultimately, um, at least the team is showing more competitiveness than previous years. If we want to show shed some sort of glimpse of optimism overall for the for the unit. Yeah, that's the the key. They're showing that they can compete defensively. Again, I don't want to I don't want to nitpick the defense because they played well. They gave up twenty four points, but you know Wisconsin makes the play before halftime to to flip the game. You know Rutgers doesn't make that play. They're not making that play yet. And the drive that I look at defensively is, you know, Rutgers goes down. They score a touchdown in that second half to get at least within a, a shot of. Wisconsin there of course Jay Patel misses the extra point that can't happen but they they're down 17-6 Wisconsin answers immediately with a 15 play drive to go right down the field and and put the game away again I it was over in my opinion at 17 nothing right after that pick six but the final nail in the coffin was put on that drive I that to me it's a great answer by Wisconsin but that can't happen if you're the Rutgers defense if you give your if the offense finally shows a pulse and, and scores you're only down 11 at that point you got to come out and get a stop. You have to get the ball back. He, he, not saying Rutgers would have went to score again and and get within one score, any of that. But you have to go out. You can't let them just march down the field fifteen plays and really just you know methodically pick you apart on that drive. So that was a that was a concern of mine. 
um, coming out from the defense. Again, I don't want to be too nitpicky, but that's a big drive, and it kind of just shows what I've said. The offense isn't ready, and the defense, in my opinion, is ready, but there's still some plays that makes you think, all right, this isn't you know in a, a Big Ten caliber. It's not a Wisconsin. It's not an Iowa defense, um, a Penn State defense, obviously. So there's work to be done on both sides. Yeah, and, and specifically on that drive, I love Muhammad Ture. He could arguably be the best defender on the team, but we got to find ways to keep him out of pass coverage. I think he can do well, yeah. Oh, yeah. maybe in between the hashes. But once you get him outside the hashes, like it's I just if you watch the Monday Night Football game, they had Preston Smith lined up uh, against Devontae Adams. Like that's a matchup nightmare. That's nothing against Muhammad Ture. Like they're just that 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 wide, that wide receiver or tight end isn't going to be able to block him, and he's not going to be able to guard them in the passing game. So it's that was just a poor design. Maybe it was a mismatch that Wisconsin got, but don't like to see that. Because you don't want that to be like, oh, this guy's not good. Like, no, he's a great player. He does what he needs to do very well. Uh, just those type of plays, those mismatches are not going to be good for that that offense. I mean, one thing that is kind of good, like, I feel like this defense has allowed in previous years, is some really big plays. I'm not sure what the longest touchdown for this team has been this season. But they ha- they've done a good job keeping everything in front of them, more or less. I feel like the biggest plays that they've allowed on offense have been like pass interference. Well, I guess not pass interference in college, but uh, because it's only 15 yards. But they haven't allowed many long, explosive plays. Now, it doesn't help when it's a methodical 15-play drive. You're just getting overpowered up front. Uh, but the... They they do a lot of things well, but yeah, that that was a, that would have been a great opportunity for the defense to make a statement on the road. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, just to kind of go back in time to talk about the offense, though we, we mentioned that like the the first quarter, the and we, and I'll let you maybe give your thoughts before I do, but that that ninety five yard interception was just so bad in so many ways. But I think. The underlying major issue, and I believe this has been an issue for Greg Schiano his entire coaching career, has been just clock management. I'm not upset that they let the clock run down and they weren't using their timeouts. Maybe that's not the drive you needed to, but that entire first quarter, first half, the defense is on the field the entire game. Call a timeout. Give them a break. Eventually, Braylon Allen was going to break off a run, and that happened the previous drive. We went into halftime with three timeouts. We throw an interception with the clock running down. You have to run a play. And it was just totally poor, poorly managed on all by, by Gavin Wimsatt's throw and by the coaching staff, in my opinion. It was very disappointing. I thought it was the worst, probably the worst decision that the team could have made. Uh, but yeah, it was detrimental to the outcome of the game because if that doesn't happen, I think at worst the score is 10 to 3. And it's a totally different ball game. I don't, again, Probably don't win the game, but you go into half 10-3 to three with no offense virtually, I'll take that any day of the week. And maybe they do get a score, but regardless, the fact that it ended up 17-10 is just unacceptable. Yeah, you, it, from the beginning of that right until Ricardo Hallman hit the end zone was really, really bad. You mentioned Shiano and his clock management hasn't been good. Really, his whole, his whole tenure, that's been a problem. You look at the play call. And it's one they ran against Virginia Tech that scored a touchdown. Wisconsin did its homework. What did you expect? You know, a, a guy like Luke Fickle. You know that they're going to come in doing their homework. You're in the same position and you run the same play. That's a bad play call. That's on Kirk Soraka. And then, of course, Gavin Wimsett eyed up the, didn't look at any other progression. Eyed up the receiver the whole time. Hallman's able to go over and get the interception and go the other way. Throw that ball out of the back of the end zone. Throw it into the second row. Kick a field goal 10-3. It's 
from top to bottom, it was bad. You see people on social media trying to pick out whose fault it was. You know, should the play have been called? Is it on Gavin Wimsett? It's on everybody. It was a, it yep. was a terrible play from the start. The play call was bad. The execution was bad. The quarterback decision was bad. There's no defending anybody in this point because it was it was bad across the board. There was really nothing good you could say about it. If you're Gavin, you got to make a better decision. You you can't look at your receiver the whole time. You have to know time and situation. If you're Greg Schiano, you have to call timeout. You have to get be in the ear of your young quarterback and give him a few more seconds to make a play. And if you're Kirk Soraka, I mean, we could get into him in depth in a second. But my God, let's run a different play near in the red zone near the goal line. He's the play calling was bad all game, but that was as bad as it gets there. And I'm not sure if it was worse than the Michigan uh, play on fourth down that ended in a in a pick six, but it was pretty close. Yeah, the. I- I, obviously, we'll get into the play calling, um, and and I, I obviously, if you're unhappy with the play calling, this is what we're going to expect from Kirk Saratra. If things are going well, if the script's in our favor, you're going to love what he's doing. You're going to love what we saw against Virginia Tech, where we were able to do whatever we wanted and pass the, uh, run the ball down their throats. This wasn't a game where we were able to do that, unfortunately. But the, I want to focus just on Gavin, because Gavin is what's, in my opinion, is more important than Kirk Saratra, because... It's the quarterback, the most important position in sports. And, I mean, it was just very – it makes me kind of concerned. Now, he is a young quarterback. I'm not trying to question his work ethic or anything like that. But, I mean, he – it looked like he was playing, like, seven on seven. Like, he just took a one hitch, stared to the right uh, – into the soul of uh, Hallman and just threw the ball. I mean, it wasn't necessarily, like, a bad pass. It, well, no, it was a bad pass. I mean, he – it's not like he overthrew it or underthrew it. It was just any cornerback who has watched any type of film or has played any type of defense is going to pick off that ball. It's just a matter of are they going to get to the end zone? Are they fast enough? This guy obviously was. It was just disappointing. Uh, I will say uh, uh, to, uh, it's been a positive. I still think the offensive line and pass protection has done a really great job, and that's kind of why I'm upset because Gavin should be going – now. I. I think on this play specifically, there wasn't a progression. I don't think he was ever – I think that in this play, it was you're throwing it to him. I almost feel like that was the coaching, the play call, like, dude, this is where you're going with the ball. And if you ran it before, why wouldn't you do that? So I'm not going to necessarily blame him for going to – not throwing it to any other progression because clearly he was looking that way for a reason. But regardless, needs to have the wherewithal to be like, hey, this is not going to work. Like, the spacing was bad. Everything was wrong. Um, and it was just disappointing. But I think that was the play that just put the nail in the coffin. And it's a shame uh, because it was at the end of the first half. But what this what this did show the team, and I've talked about it a lot, I don't consider Michigan the first time Rutgers has faced adversity because that's just an elite team that can beat anybody in the country by any margin of victory, except for TCU and Georgia, I guess. Um, but what I would say about this is they did get, they did face some adversity, and they did show a little bit of fight as the game progressed. Now, is there going to be more adversity that they face this year? Probably, but I'm happy that they they dealt with it now. And this was this was as bad as it gets. That 95 yard interception. I don't know if you can face. And luckily, nobody got injured during the game. Gavin obviously got hit pretty pretty dirty, in my opinion. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this was the first game I've talked about a lot. How do they respond for adversity? And the defense kept fighting. The offense struggled. But again, in other games, we go into the halftime 17 nothing. This game ends 
42 nothing in my opinion. So that's that is something I do think is positive and and is a fact is 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 a part of Greg Schiano being the coach and keeping these guys chopping for 60 minutes but regardless like just an ugly ugly way to end the half. I agree Greg Schiano's done a great job of keeping his team ready and getting, you know, making sure these guys fight. They're a tough team. We can't say anything about that. But he's got to be better on the field on the sideline. He's good off the field. I expect him to be ready to go against Michigan State, but he's got to do a better job in game. And Gavin you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You have to know when it's there and when it's not. Just because something's drawn up for a player, for the ball to go somewhere, it doesn't mean you have to throw it. And that's where he needs to be better. And the overall play calling was – it just makes you scratch your head sometimes because the the thing that concerns me is I'm not seeing an ability of Kirk Soraka being able to adjust. And the reason the game plan worked so well early on is because they were able to establish the run – they were able to keep Gavin in easy situations. They were able to assert their dominance in their game plan. That You had to know coming to Rutgers against the schedule that you're playing that that's not going to happen every week. You have to be able to adjust, and you have to be able to use the players that you have. It's, it's almost like he knows that Rutgers is weaker on the outside with wide receivers. They don't have a threat of a tight end, so he's not trying to get these guys involved or do anything with them. You have to coach what you have. You can't expect players to go into your game plan. You have to game plan for the players that you have. And right now, Kirk's Rock is not doing that. You're seeing an, an Ill, inability to adjust. At halftime, 17 nothing. he comes out with relatively the same game plan, very vanilla play calling, and and that's been a big concern of me too. I'm curious to see how that progresses over the next two weeks with opponents like Michigan State and Indiana. But right now, I'm not seeing any adjustments really over the, the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, and I'm starting to, and I don't know if it's necessarily him not wanting to play, make these play calls, but we talk about it a lot where we just want to see these quick, maybe behind the line of scrimmage passes to get maybe Jaquay Jackson or Christian Dremel or someone with some speed the ball and then make, make them like make a play, you know, after the line of scrimmage. And I think part of it might just be that our tackles or just our offensive line in general just, and it wouldn't surprise me if Holland Pierce isn't necessarily a fast person being how big he is. I just don't think they can get out there in space and defend and block outside of like the, the defensive line. So that might be why I'm not seeing those type of play calls that I would love to see. And the kind of play calls I'm talking about is obviously that pick pick six that uh, was thrown against Michigan, like those type of plays where you can kind of, you just get your guys behind the line of scrimmage and then maybe pick up six, seven, maybe a first down uh, in place of a run. One thing that I, and I know I've said this a lot and I hate that I keep saying it because he's done so well in games that we've won is I need a little less common on guy and more Aaron Young, in my opinion. Uh, I, I truly think that when you have both common on guy and Jay Sean Benjamin, you're, 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 you're running the same type of scheme. You're running the, it's the same type of running back. They're not necessarily complementary. My opinion, every time Aaron, and maybe because he's the freshest, he's, he, even though he's coming off injury, his body's the freshest. Every time he's touched the ball, I've been impressed. He scored a touchdown in this game. He had two catches. He looks physically good. He's quick, and he's our most experienced back. I need him to get the ball more. They need to find ways to get him involved. Obviously, Sam Brown's great, but he's just younger. I'm fine with him not getting the touches just yet. Aaron Young, his time is limited here on the banks, and I just think he can really do a lot for this offense. So, and we're never I don't know if we're going to see outside runs. I feel like everything is between the guards and in my opinion the interior of the offensive line is where we're weakest. I really think Colin Pierce has done a great job anchoring that left side. 
I'm not sure if he's responsible for any sacks just yet this season. And there's times where he's just so large that if the guy isn't naturally gifted or speedy enough to get around him, they just aren't because he's just going to lock you up. But interior in the interior of the offensive line, I mean, how many times are, is, is common guy just going to get hit in the backfield and just get back to the line of scrimmage? Yeah. I hate watching that. It's so frustrating. I'd much rather them just run Gavin three times because he'll pick up more. It seems so it's, it's obviously that's not common on guys fault, but um, the interior of the offensive line needs to be strengthened up immediately, in my opinion, uh, because it's a concern of mine. Uh, I, I don't like seeing guys getting blown up and, you know, no credit to the guys. That's where we knew that the offensive line was going to be the weakest unit on offense, but this, it was a problem this game. I mean, rushing for 64 yards, that's what we were limiting teams like uh, a temple and Northwestern to like that. We got to fix that immediately. Aaron Young, yeah, finally, you can see what he does out of the backfield. He had two catches, but the problem is that's those were his only touches. You know, this right. is a guy you have to get the ball to. I agree. I have no issue with Kyle Manung guy being the bell cow. You know, you want him to be your starter, first and second down back. But third down, especially those third long situations, get Aaron Young in this game. Let him catch the ball. You know, give him a, a series even. You know, have two on for Kyle Manung guy, one on for Aaron Young, something along those lines. Because you got to get these guys in a rhythm. And... <laughs> Samuel Brent's an interesting one. I don't think he touched the ball on Saturday. He's an interesting one because he burst out last year. Everybody expected him to kind of do the same thing this year, be that guy. People forget he was a true freshman last year. So now that he's a sophomore, he's a true sophomore, he's still got plenty of time left here. It's not like he's on his way out. And I got to see the, the snaps. I was looking up the snap counts to see if we could find those for Rutgers. But it does feel like Aaron Young's not being used like nearly enough and it's clear that he's healthy he looked healthy anyway on the touchdown he had two catches he's playing a little bit but Kyle Manunga had a great start let's mix it up a little bit because that just adds another dynamic to this offense that seems to be missing right now I I just think the things that Kyle Manunga does well are not going to be able to I don't think we're going to see it as successful against better defenses like these, these better deep Big Ten defenses are going to make tackles. He does a great job breaking tackles, making guys miss. He does. I, I don't know if we're going to have that luxury against even a team like Indiana. I don't think Indiana's defense is terrible. Uh, they have some really good players there that transferred in. Um, I just think Aaron Young has been good, and he's shown it throughout his time here on the banks. I just would like to see him more. And, and Jason Benjamin's red shirt, I think, is burnt, so probably going to be seeing him the rest of the way. Uh, but Kyle, and it's just like, I feel like, especially on third downs, if Kyle Manunga's on the field, he's not catching the ball. They're not throwing it to him. He's a good blocker. I mean, he's shown that he can block. I think Aaron Young can too. But regardless, I think I'm not, it's crazy for anyone to suggest like, oh, we need to change it. We need to do a change at the offensive coordinator position. Like that's not going to happen. Uh, but with Kirk Sriracha, we're just not going to see we're not going to see an offense like Wisconsin. They have Phil Longa in there calling the plays. Like it would be awesome to see a, a different type of style of offense. It's not going to happen with Kirk Sriracha, and that's fine because right now we need a little bit more of a simple offense to have success. If we do start doing things crazy, uh, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation. But uh, we're going to need to see more improvement from Gavin. I think he'll have an opportunity to show that at home this upcoming Saturday. Uh, it was great to see Evan Simon get in the game, do what he needed to do. I was, I thought he was going to play the rest of the game, in my opinion. And I guess that goes to that that non-targeting call. I, I don't know how it's not targeting. I'm not a fan of the targeting call. I don't like that the players get ejected or or have to sit out the the next game. But 
How is that not targeting? Like, I don't understand. That I, do I not know the rule? It seemed like helmet-to-helmet contact. We've seen a lot less uh, play calls. That was just a dangerous hit, which is what th- the rule is supposed to be in place for, to protect the players, not to punish the players, to protect the players. Gavin was clearly shaken up. I don't know if I was comfortable with Greg Shana putting him back in, but it was nice to see Ga- uh, Evan Simon go out there and get us get us six points. I was I was very happy for him. Yeah, that's another thing we can't start doing either. Is I, I haven't seen it from Rutgers fans, so I'm happy about that. But Evan Simon came in for a couple of plays, threw a touchdown. There's no uh, Evan Simon movement now, you know, to be the starting quarterback. We've seen enough of that over the years. Let Gavin ride, especially going into these two games are going to be very telling for him. Looking at the snap count, though, I think I found an accurate one. Kyle Manungai had 37 snaps offensively. Aaron Young had nine. And that's just a, a crazy... Split. Split, in my opinion, because Aaron Young could do so much. Again, I'm not sure. I, I want to believe he's healthy, but, but looking at these numbers, it can't, I can't imagine that he's 100%. If he's 100% and playing nine snaps a game, that's a problem, in my opinion. You know, he's a guy that could be a third down back. He could give you that dynamic within this offense that Kirk Soraka seems like he wants to keep it so simple. Nothing as simple as throwing it to the uh, a running back in the flat and letting him go to work. That's That's a very good play in my opinion and you mentioned we haven't seen a lot of outside runs a lot of stuff is up the middle a first and 10 throw to Aaron Young for four or five yards that's basically like a run play that's a way to to keep defenses on their toes and we haven't seen that yeah uh I've I've really been advocating I don't like and it's because it's 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 not me speaking poorly of common on guy it's just like right I agree nothing against what he's done this year he did this in previous years. He was great in the beginning of the year, his sophomore or freshman year. Um, but we're not playing Virginia Tech right now. We're not playing Northwestern. We're playing our toughest teams right now. Uh, so we're going to need to see. We're going to see. We need. Unless we're winning games, unless the game results in a win, I don't want Gavin Wimsat to be our leading rusher or at least the have the most attempts. You know, he might be. Right. He might end up with the most yards because of a you know broken play or whatever. But he had the most attempts. I, he had one more than Common Ungai, but that's that's not great. That's not good. Um, to to just go to the passing game though, Ian Strong. I want to be like our most targeted wide receiver. I think. I think he's good. He, he makes he makes great catches, and he also shows the ability that when he does catch the ball in tough situations along the sideline. Obviously, this is college. You only need one foot in, but he's always making attempts to 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 skew his bodies in in strange ways to get that foot down. So shout out him uh, again. Isaiah Washington made some great plays. Uh, we saw Johnny Langan make a good catch. I, I honestly don't know how much of a problem it is for the wide receivers, but um, we, I think we're, we're we're learning that maybe Christian Dremel isn't our go to guy in tough situations, but maybe it's Ian Strong. I mean that I would say that the touchdown at the end of the game was you know not the best throw but a great effort to use his big body to catch it and I hope we can see that more where you have a a smaller cornerback defending him Gavin get him the ball like he'll make a play it seems so uh, I'm excited to see more of him hopefully we can see some some explosive plays from him as the season progresses Uh, but yeah we're gonna we need Gavin to complete at least at least 60 percent of his balls and it's just it's just not happening yet no, not yet. And it could be, again, the play calling I don't love. It could be they haven't established that number one wide receiver. Maybe it is Ian Strong. Try and get him the ball. I agree. See what he's got. He's only got eight catches this year, and he's a big dude. I didn't realize how big he was. 
um, early in the season, especially against Northwestern. I know he made that great play in the end zone, but he didn't look as big. For some reason, that touchdown catch he made boxing out the defender against Wisconsin, he looked big there. So I had to look it up and see. I mean, he's 6'3", 210. That's a big boy. And, and as a freshman, that's a centerpiece wide receiver. But you look at Jaquay Jackson, too. He's six foot two. I think Isaiah Washington has some size to him. You know, Christian Dremel's he's your smaller receiver. He should be in the slot. So they have they have size. They have some speed. I don't really know why they're not doing these quick throws, these quick outs. Gavin has the arm strength to get the ball to the sideline, and they have the receivers that can make a quick move and the size to make a play. So I it, it's it's very it's very frustrating, it's very concerning. This game was not Again, if Rutgers fans, if you feel any type of positive after this game, it's obviously on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, there's not much to really talk about. Yeah, my positive was is was Ian Strong. That was mine. Yeah, outside that, of that, that not seems much. Like the only one. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think Gavin's shown great ability to run the ball still, but like, look at you know if you're an NFL fan, Anthony Richardson, he's he's hurt now. Lamar Jackson, he's been hurt before. Mobile quarterbacks just leave themselves up for injury. It sucks, but that's why running backs get hurt. You're just getting beat up. Again, when he's our leading rusher, we're only ask it's only gonna it's more likely that he is going to get hurt. So, you know, it's it's good. He's still a, a weapon with his feet in the design running games. I would love to see him scramble more. Like instead of throwing the ball out of bounds a lot, try to make a play with your feet, you know, and, and don't give up. I, I don't want him to take any hits or anything like that, but there's times where I feel like he's leaving yards on the field where he's sliding earlier or diving or just giving himself up. And I get that. You got to, you got to be healthy and that might be coaching, but be more of a scrambler. I mean, the, the reason that Tanner Mordecai had so many yards rushing was because he was scrambling. There were a couple design runs, but he, he made some great plays out of the pocket with his feet. I want, I want to see Gavin do that. If he's not going to be completing 60% of his balls, let's get some more first downs with your legs. It's, it's again, I'm not the coach. I'm not going to act like I know more than the coach, but uh, you know, I've watched enough football where I want that. Like I've seen that happen. Daniel Jones has had success doing it. Other quarterbacks that haven't had success throwing the ball, pick it up with their feet. Try it. Just, just do your best. Um, and sometimes I feel like he's a little bit tentative and just gets the ball out a little quicker than he should. But again, show, he's showing improvement. He's better than last year. He's, he is still young. So, you know, I'm being patient. I'm not blaming him, but that interception obviously was unacceptable as we discussed. It's a two-week season, and that's that was kind of be the stretch coming in as well. Like, this next two weeks is going to tell how Rutgers finishes their year if they could get to a bowl game. There was plenty of hype around this Wisconsin game on social media from the Rutgers faithful, and to me it was a little premature. I didn't talk myself into this game. And honestly, the, the week's down the road, but it's the reason I'm not talking myself into the Iowa game either. As bad as their offense is and Brian Ferentz, it's because I'm not sure this Rutgers offense can can score enough points at the end of the day. We're looking at teams in the Big Ten are able to put together drives. And that's kind of what Wisconsin did against a, a talented defense of Rutgers, a strong defense that fights. They were able to put together drives when they needed it. Rutgers, it, it feels like they can't put together that drive to really take control of a game or extend a game, stay within range. So until we see that, but the good news is Michigan State is coming in with whatever they're dealing with. And then you go to Indiana, who right now is in the basement of the Big Ten, in my opinion. And switching gears, there was some basketball news. And a preseason poll came out, which I know has some fans outraged. But first, big weekend in Piscataway. Homecoming, and Dylan Harper is going to be on campus officially. We know he's been there. He's been there a few times. I believe he was at the Northwestern game. 
visiting um, with Ron Harper Jr., his brother. But he's coming for his official visit, and there's some other prospects there too. So big weekend in Piscataway, all Rutgers fans. If you're at this game, pack the stadium and root for the team on the field, but more importantly, make Dylan Harper, make him feel welcome, that's for sure. Make Show up for him and, and uh, make sure you chant his name when he showed on the big screen because there's been no no hard commitment yet, so Rutgers is still waiting for that one. Yeah, as important as this is for Rutgers football on Saturday, it's literally more important for Rutgers basketball yeah. because uh, it's it's just one of those games where I would love for fans to really show out for this one. It's homecoming. There will be. I, I would love to be there. Fortunately, I can't be. But there, uh, this is there are more people who always are like, hey, it's homecoming. Let me go to this game, middle of October. I don't know if you did your pumpkin picking yet, but get to, get to, get to SHI Stadium noon game. I know that's not the best time where people want to tailgate, but it makes a difference, Rutgers, and this could be a game where we get a nice win. To be five and two, uh, seven weeks into the season, that's awesome. Five and two, like I, I don't know the last time I I saw something like that for Rutgers. So could be really fun. Uh, I do think it's a game Rutgers deserves to be favored. I think I think people are on Rutgers. I think the line has moved. I just want to take a look at it real quick. Um, I think it's opened up around like four, maybe three. And since has moved in again, oh, I guess in Rutgers' favor, not not their favorite, but let's see, where are we? Yeah, they're at four and a half right now. I think that's fair. I, I don't I don't necessarily know if I see this one being a, a close one. Uh, it, I feel like it's going to go one way or the other. I think it's going to be like Rutgers blows it or Rutgers takes care of business. The over is just at thirty nine and a half, which I mean I don't. Did Michigan State bench? Noah Kim, I think they may have. Yeah, they haven't officially announced a starter yet, but I think they're going with their backup or the other guy who was in the rotation. Yeah, I I, I always feel like in previous years what's made me nervous about Michigan State is their wide receivers. Uh, They don't have the dude who Noah Coleman or whatever his name is on uh, Florida State. Obviously, he transferred away from Michigan State. You know, in previous year they had Jalen Reed, they had these other guys. You know, if they don't have the quarterback to be able to get them the ball or the head coach on the sideline, like, yeah, I think Rutgers should be favored in this one. Obviously, we'll talk more about that in, in the upcoming pod. But, you know, uh, it's an important week for Rutgers football, but mostly Rutgers athletics. And uh, it was great to hear. Uh, I, I only saw a, a clip of it, but uh, Steve Peichel did say that we're going to shoot the ball a lot more, uh, which is just so fun to hear. Uh, I, again, I don't think... Rutgers often, I guess, I don't want to say they've been bad. They've just been so tamed and held back and methodical where if we can see a little loose basketball being played, it could be very, very fun for this team. So looking forward to it. Uh, should be fun. Uh, also got to give a shout-out to field hockey. I believe they're 12-0. and 0. Probably should be top five team. Should be uh, higher than team. they are, yeah. Uh, but it's very cool to see. I keep posting on Twitter that they're, we're a field hockey school. Until they lose, we're a field hockey school. Sorry, just the truth. Um, <laughs> another thing I saw, and I don't think it's going to happen for Rutgers, uh, the former number one wrestling recruit in the country, A.J. Ferrari, he was in a bit of legal struggle. Struggle That got cleared up. He was at Oklahoma State. He's now able to go to a different school. It would be great to see him come home. He's a great wrestler, but it seems like Iowa might be there for him. Uh, but that's a Jersey guy, who, or former Jersey guy. He's from New Jersey, I believe. Um I think he played, I think he might have, I don't know where he went to high school, but in any case, uh, something I saw on the radar. And Rutgers basketball is right up, is, is here. It's here. I mean, people, they want to pick us 10th in the Big Ten. That's fine with me. Uh, plenty to prove. You know, the Cliff's still there. Mag's still there. D- Derek Simpson's good. Like, keep sleeping. Keep sleeping. That's all I'll say. 
yeah, wrestling is going to be a big factor come the winter. Big presence to it on the bank. So we're going to have a lot of coverage with wrestling with some new contributors being brought in. So I'm excited for that. The Columbus Dispatch, I believe, does this poll, and they do it for basketball, uh, football as well. And Rutgers was picked in the double digits for the first time in four years. They were picked 10th. They finished 10th last year, I believe, in the conference, or tied for 9th, something along those lines. Rutgers fans, use this as as fuel if you want. I know Steve Pico will. I know his team will, which is why I love Pico leading this group because he doesn't forget stuff like this. In my opinion, I think it's about the unknown, and it's about losing two quote-unquote known guys in Cam Spencer and Paul Mulcahy and bringing in you know Noah Fernandez to be in that backcourt with Derek Simpson. It's about Mag coming back from an injury you know, a guy like Cliff, Gavin Griffiths being a freshman. A lot of unknown for Rutgers, but what should make fans excited, and you mentioned it, they're going to shoot more and they're going to play fast. This is a team that could play games in the 70s this year rather than playing in the mid-60s. You know, Rutgers in the past scoring 70 points, 75 points, felt like an explosion offensively. That might be the norm this year. They might touch 80 a couple times. I think this is going to be a different offense, a different team keeping their defensive intensity because Peichel is a defensive coach, loves that end of the floor. But there's going to be a lot of quickness, a lot of pace. We might see some early, a lot of early shots this year. So it's going to be a different style of Rutgers basketball. Yeah. It should be fun. I can't believe we're about a month away from it. So it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. If we can, if we can find uh, the reality where Rutgers is bowl eligible before Rutgers basketball starts, I'm going to be on the moon for a while uh, and now I, you, maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it I feel like it is a little possible that Rutgers could Rutgers basketball could finish maybe with just the one buy or maybe finish when they're playing on week one of or day one of the Big Ten tournament. I think all of that's very possible because the Big Ten is very competitive and they they've proven that they're not competitive come come March when you're in the tournament, but when you're beating up on each other all year. There's some really great players, but if Rutgers can break through the mold of what prevents the Big Ten from being competitive, which is playing slower, playing this defense, and able to shoot the ball and score some points, there's there's reason for optimism. Now, the most important thing is for Rutgers to find a way to not start the year slowly, to lose, to, to win all of the games that we should win. I think they did a good job of that last year, but there was like that Seton Hall game, should have won that one. Obviously, that Ohio State game where they acknowledged that it was the incorrect uh, call, uh, those are swing games. Maybe we do make the tournament. Rutgers needs to find a way to not put themselves in those situations this year and to win games in convincing mag- uh, convincing manner. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what uh, Derek Simpson can do in year two. I'm excited to see a healthy mag, the transfers that are coming in. And, and maybe, I'm not Greg, I'm not sure if you are familiar should we expect all those transfers to play? Do we know if Jeremiah Williams is going to be able to play? And there was another guy as well, I believe, they landed as well. Didn't they, they, did they land three transfers or only two? They did land a third. Um, I'm not sure if Jeremiah Williams is going to get his waiver. I think I saw somewhere that one other transfer somewhere else, a two-time transfer, got a waiver to play. But I haven't heard anything on Jeremiah Williams just yet. He's still waiting. But he is practicing. And the good news there, even if he can't play, he's going to be a big factor next year because he came to Rutgers for a reason. I think with this team, Derek Simpson's going to be a factor. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm very, very curious to see Noah Fernandez and what he can do. But you hit the nail on the head with what this team needs to do. They need to get out quick, win your non-conference games because that's what that's what cost them during March last year. They scheduled a little bit better this year. Still not perfect. But... They scheduled a little better, so that should help during March. 
but it's a it's a full season. It's a thirty game stretch. Rutgers hasn't finished. They haven't played a full three four months of basketball consistently, and that's what Purdue has done. You know, Rutgers has beaten the Purdues. They've beaten the Indianas in the past with Trace Jackson Davis. You know, he's gone, which is a big help. They've beaten Illinois. But they haven't put it all together. You look at a game last year, you know, the Minnesota game. They go on the road against a terrible Minnesota team, and they lose that game. You know, these are the games that, that cost you come the Big Ten tournament and cost you come March because Rutgers was in a position to maybe compete for that double bye last year, and they end up falling down the um, down the standings once you start to get into it. Of course, the injury to Mawat Mag was a big one. That was really a turning point of the season because of what he brings to the team. But Rutgers has to be able to put together a full schedule of work. They can't take, you know, games off, basically. They can't afford those big losses if they want to finish above their projection, which is right now 10th. And in my opinion, they're better than that, but a lot of unknowns on this team, and they're just going to have to show it on the floor. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I always find it strange where a team like – I think I saw Ohio State ahead of us. Like, yeah. I think they were better than what their record showed, but they didn't show it on the court, and they lost. Uh, I don't remember Sensabaugh, Bryce Sensabaugh. I believe he's he's gone. I believe. Like, I don't know. I I just think that there's teams ahead of Rutgers that probably shouldn't be. Uh, who's below them? Penn State, Minnesota. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other teams that might be there, but like, yeah, those are the two probably worst teams. I think in the Michigan big might be actually too. Michigan's Michigan is. You're right. Michigan's Michigan supposed is. to be down this year. Which, like, it's just that's just wild. Like, in my opinion, like, like they were so good for so long, and now, you know, maybe Jawan Howard is not that guy. Very possible. Uh, but they usually have the talent. They have all the resources. They have the history. But yeah, it's strange seeing them double digit uh, seeding or ranking in the in the Big Ten, but that might be accurate. Yeah, it's wide open again, in my opinion. Once, once you look past Purdue, because obviously Zach Eadie's coming back, and Michigan State's supposed to be near the top once again. They're going to have a real good year. Really, from, the, from there on out, do you trust Maryland? You know, Kevin Willard's trying to get his guys, but do you really trust Maryland to be that kind of team? So really, after the top two, this there's good teams, there's bad teams, but the conference feels open. There's a lot of noise that could be made once the season starts. It's it's so funny that how much Mar- how much love Maryland gets typically year after year in basketball. Like they weren't they were fine last year. They they made they 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 finished the year very strongly. But Jameer Jameer Young is great. I think he's a top point guard in the Big Ten. Him and Tyson Walker, I'm I'm big fans of. I like them a lot. Tyson Walker playing for Michigan State, but Maryland is getting a lot of hype. And a lot I'm of not, hype. Yeah. It's so tough to know with college basketball specifically. Like you have players that come in one and done, or you have these like sixth-year players, then you add transfers. It's like I forget who's on this team. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some guys that have been there for a while that are gone. Uh, Dante Scott, I think his name was. He's he has to be gone by now. Um, I think, and I could be wrong. But one team that I'm not like sold on is obviously you have Zach Eady. You can win games just with Zach Eady. But FDU showed you. You shut down Zach Eady, you forced their guards to play, and it's it's a different game. Like, okay, Fletcher Lawyer and the, the other freshman, the guard, forget his name. Like, they're good, but, you know, I'm not sure that they're going to they're, – they're great. I'm not sure they're great. They won the Big Ten. They, they were one seed in the tournament. They deserve to be. But not the best, in my opinion, not like the clear-cut favorite team. Like, I would – I wouldn't be shocked if – Another team that was ahead of Rutgers that bothered me was Wisconsin. Like, I, I 
I'm just not sold on Wisconsin. Like, I, I think that it just frustrates me. Um, the team you can never count on is Iowa. But, uh, yeah, it's should be fun in the Big Ten. should be fun. It's always – it's always, Big Ten basketball is so, so much fun. Rutgers doesn't play well against Iowa either, so that's, no, that's never a favorable matchup. But I agree with Purdue, and, and Rutgers has had success against Purdue, but they have such an overrated coach too, in my opinion. If I had to make a list of most overrated coaches in the country, Matt Payne is probably at the top of it. And he it's because of the work – he doesn't march. He never. They never win anything. And I'm not even saying national championships. You know, getting to the second weekend is hard for them. Getting to a, a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight has felt hard for Purdue. They're always making the big mistake, turning in the bad game when it matters most, and that's coaching. Again, you look at uh, you look at a lot of that, and you put it on Matt Painter because they've had the talent and the talent coming back this year. Zach Eady's going to contend again for Big Ten Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, all that fun stuff, but. Are they as deep as they've been? Do they have a, as much around him? I'm not exactly sure. So you can put Purdue at the top. I personally like Michigan State this year as the best team in the conference. But oh, yeah. but outside of those two, again, like I said, it's wide open. I'm not a full believer in teams like Wisconsin, Iowa, even Maryland to this point. I got to see it. So it's definitely going to yeah. be an interesting year. AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker probably the best guard combo in the in the yeah. in the conference. I, I think, and that's what shown. That's what you need in 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 college basketball and in in basketball in general is good guard play. And not only are those two good players, they're two very experienced players. And Tyson Walker, I, I'm a big fan of. AJ Hogard is just he's like I almost feel like he's like what Paul Mulcahy would be if he could move a little bit quicker and just was had, a, had another gear because uh, he gets to the rim just like Paul would, but then he also can like attack if he wants to. Uh, and who else? Who else is on that team? They did. They just. They have a. And we talked about Matt Painter. Like Tom Izzo is definitely a good coach. Like yeah, he's, he's for guy. sure a good coach. Uh, so we'll see. I'm excited. It's we're not far away from it, and it should it should be fun. Hopefully. Uh, and of course, I think I saw something that like there's not many tickets available for the rest of the season for Rutgers basketball, and that's my dream for Rutgers football. But what what happened? What what turned the event? Rutgers basketball started winning games. That's all Rutgers football needs to do. So the, the, it's it's right in front of you. Get to get get to that sixth win, and who knows what can happen for the rest of the year. So exciting times on the banks here at uh, here at Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers football fans want to win, and they can start by winning these next two games, getting to six and two, heading into your bye. So Rutgers fans can be happy for two weeks at six and two. That feels like a dream. It feels like a, a far off land if Rutgers can do that. But be bowl eligible in the third week of November, uh, October, third week of October. Moving forward, we touched on a little basketball. That's exciting. We have we're less than a month away from tip, so that's fun. I can't wait to start talking more basketball and do it fully every week here. But until then, we're six days. What day is it? Five days away from an extremely important game against Michigan State, both for the football team on the field, but also for the athletic program. As I mentioned, Dylan Harper, a couple other recruits will be on campus for homecoming. So it should be an exciting week of Rutgers sports. And we're going to be back on Friday to preview the Michigan State game and give you our top bets of the week.